Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Podcast Network Asia. I, I was like, when I came here, my, my head was exploding because I was thinking about all the things that I wanted to do. So I, I mean, and when I started getting into business here, my thinking was really like, man, there's more opportunity here than in the US. Because <laughs> it just feels like in the US, there are so many more solutions out there that, you know, you coming up with something new and innovative and really fixing things for people is, is just a little bit, is that much harder. But here, there's a ton to do. Sprout, Sprout is an example. HR and payroll is a very basic form of technology. I mean, it's solving one of the fundamental pieces of a company's uh, uh, basically operations. So we're not doing anything fancy. We're automating like basic need to have fundamental business processes, like getting your employees paid. So like you can imagine how much more technology there is to be developed for Philippine businesses to help them automate, you know, all kinds of other things, you know, that are that get more much more fancy than getting your employees paid on time and accurately. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you are watching me from here in the Philippines and from all over the world. And welcome to my podcast, the RJ Ledesma Podcast. In my podcast, I like to speak with the country's pioneering business personalities and trailblazing entrepreneurs to learn more how, about they, how they think about doing business, what are their success secrets, can we use their success secrets in our own businesses? How have they innovated their businesses during the pandemic season? And more importantly, what business opportunities do they see emerging in this new, new normal? Is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. I would love to hear from them. I would love to learn from them. Just drop me a message. And we are also live right now on Kumu and on YouTube tonight. Uh, a man who I truly, truly admire. Recently, I had a chance to host one of the events which they put together, which was the SaaScon, which is a subscription as a service con, a very successful event. We have over here right now the man behind Sprout Solutions, together with his wife, Alexandria. Patrick Gentry is the co-founder and CEO of Sprout Solutions, which is a Philippine-based HR and payroll software company. With over 20 years of experience in software development and business leadership, Patrick, together with his wife, has built Sprout Solutions into one of Asia Pacific's most innovative and fastest growing HR technology companies. Currently, they have over 1,000 corporate clients and 180,000 active users. Their companies which use Sprout include Ayala Land, and Dole, but at the same time, they also have a corporate, very strong corporate social responsibility, and they help small businesses and NGOs and nonprofit organizations free access 
to their HR software. So without further ado, please welcome my guest for this evening, Patrick Gentry. Patrick, welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. Hi, RJ. Thanks for having me on. Really great to have you over here, Patrick. Mm. It's been quite some time since I wanted to have you here on the show. And a lot of thumbs up coming from our friends watching live here right now from Sprout. Thanks so much, uh, Rex, Russell, Colina. Woohoo! Patrick, <laughs> here on the show. Now, before we get into the meat of our discussion, one big piece of news coming out of Sprout is that congratulations, you just got Series B funding. Now, that's yeah. big news for people who are in the startup community. Mm. But can you help lemonize that for people who are going, wow, what, was that, what does that just mean when you got uh, Series B funding? Sure. As a tech company, it's most common in tech companies, you basically have venture capitalists, which are these investors who invest in your business. Basically means they're buying a piece of ownership in your company uh, and giving you money for that ownership. Kind of uh, unlike maybe other forms of capital, they basically give you money and say, do what you can with this. Um, good luck. Uh, so it's a, there's like kind of no strings attached in, in some ways other than that, of course, they, they want to own a piece of the business. So it means that you have people who really believe in the future of your business. And these are always very, very intelligent, um, very intuitive people. So it's, it's not, a, not the easiest path, but um, it's one that we've been on. So, so it, and it follows a trajectory. So you have a seed round, which is maybe a million dollars or two million mm -hmm. in our industry. Series A is maybe, you know, five or six million. And then Series B is like 10, 10 plus million. And we raised, so we raised a little long, over. Yeah. You raised a little about 10.7 million US dollars, which is about yeah. 591 million pesos. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. It's, uh, it's good firepower for us. We're profitable as a company. So that's, that's unusual for tech businesses. Normally tech, tech companies lose money, um, but we're actually profitable. So we get to... That means that all of that money that we raise, we get to put to work and, you know, growing the business for the Philippines. So Fantastic. Now, the question I often ask many of the startup entrepreneurs who've gone into Series A or Series B is that it, there's, there's relief, but there's also a lot of stress at the same time realizing that this is how much money is being invested into you. And, you, you, you know, when you were still starting up and you didn't have much money, yeah. you know, you're, you're yeah. playing in such a small sandbox. Now you've got yeah. all this money and, and you know, uh, sometimes it can feel uh, overwhelming yeah. how do you i guess manage that thought process yeah. that you're managing about this much yeah. money of other people investing in the company yeah. yeah so it's a good point like i and and me personally and not all founders work this way but for me personally i i feel a tremendous amount of fiduciary responsibility i guess you would say but i i really feel like man these people have put their trust in me to grow this company and uh, given me a tremendous amount of money to do it. Uh, and so I feel like really, really responsible. <laughs> so yeah, it's a huge amount of pressure. But on the flip side, it, it, it's like you feel like that validation that you're doing something right. And also you feel like, you know, it gives you more opportunity to, to excel, to do good things. So, so Sprouts North Star is to impact the life of every Filipino by improving business in the Philippines. And it's a huge North Star. So yeah, having more firepower to do that is, is a really good thing. We're really excited about it. And on top of the firepower, the other interesting thing is when we take a look at the profile of the investors for your, for your Series B funding, and, and aside from them being heavy hitters, the nice thing that I like to think about is that for many of them, it's their first time to actually invest in a Filipino startup that includes mm -hmm. um, Circano Management, 
uh, with participation from SoftBank Ventures Asia, AFG Partners, GSR Ventures, mm. Integra Partners, AC Investments, and Minavi Corporation. Tell me a bit mm. more. I mean, I mean, I'm throwing out these names. They might not be mm. familiar to other people, but to people in the tech startup industry, it's a big deal. Mm. Can you help us better appreciate why? Sure. So. I mean, SoftBank Ventures Asia is maybe the, the most commonly known name in the group, but um, Circano ha has amazing track record in the industry, in the region. That's Paul Allen, who's the co-founder of Microsoft. It's his fund, and they do a lot of work globally. GSR is another global fund, ACA from Japan. It, they, these are pretty well-known investors. And, and for all of them, for everybody in this round except AFG, it's their first investment in the Philippines. So... That's important for the ecosystem. It's something that I'm, I'm super happy about because it's an entry point for these investors. And after us, if, if we do well for them, it means that they will look for more opportunities in the Philippines because that market has been validated. So we're trying to validate the market for investors. I'm, I'm, we're definitely not the only ones. Pickup Coffee recently raised from investors who it was their first time investing in the Philippines. So this is a wave of... of uh, that we're seeing in in the startup ecosystem, which is super exciting, and it means a ton uh, more opportunities for for entrepreneurs that are looking to get started today. It means that when you go to look for funding, you're going to have that many more you know opportunities to raise. Yeah. Fantastic! You know, and this in stark contrast, the other day I interviewed Mober and mm. and Dennis Nang was one of the OGs. Yeah, super. <laughs> Super OG. At that time, people didn't even know joint venture, uh, venture capitalists. They yeah. weren't around, so it was such an uphill battle for him at yeah. the time to enter the industry yeah. and get investors. And you look, you look, you look vis-a-vis -vis right now, 2023. Um, they're actually uh, looking at the Philippines as, yeah. as a viable investment partner. Super, super. It's up and coming, absolutely. So the VC world is very much like a herd kind of thing. They kind of move in in groups. Uh, so they were investing a lot in Indonesia, and then they kind of a lot of their focus moved to Vietnam, and now a lot of VCs have shifted focus and started looking at the Philippines really seriously. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's exciting. And my wife and I founded Sprout in 2015, and yeah, same story. It was like uh, it was a very different landscape then than than it is today. And I love to talk. I love to talk a bit more about that, that challenge which you had, which is probably part of your entrepreneurial journey as well. Uh, but I want to step back a bit more, and I often ask this, and I hope you don't mind, but mm. you know, we often ask people who are expats, you know, who, who are not Filipino-born, mm -hmm. and, and they actually come here to do business, and they mm. say, it's a great place to do business. Mm. Um, you know, maybe many of us are jaded. Many of us, mm. you know, there's a national mentality to look for opportunities abroad, mm. and sometimes they, they don't take a look at the Philippines and say, you know, this is a legitimate, uh, it's a great business opportunity. Yeah. Can you just help me better understand um, what, what sort of lens you're looking at at the country sure. and saying this is a great opportunity uh, to be had over here? Sure, sure. So, super interesting. I, I came to the Philippines in 2008, having a background in tech, Silicon Valley, US, um, all, like tons of opportunities there. So, I mean, I came from a very kind of target rich environment. And I came here with, I didn't come here for business opportunities. I came here to travel um, just for vacation. And it was literally so compelling. The opportunities here were so compelling that that caused me to stay here and first extend my trip and then really kind of settle down here. And so it was like, A, I came from a pretty good place to find opportunities, Silicon Valley in the US. 
B, I wasn't looking for, for things to do. And then C, I really found that and it kept me here. And so, you know, my experience was, oh, and what I see here is just like, there's so much to do. Anytime there's like a problem or an inefficiency or, or, or something like that, it's an area that you can have an impact on. And that's super exciting to me. I, I was like, when I came here, my, my head was exploding because I was thinking about all the things that I wanted to do. So I, I mean, and when I started getting into business here, my thinking was really like, man, there's more opportunity here than in the U.S. Because <laughs> in my, it just feels like in the U.S. there are so many more solutions out there that you know, you coming up with something new and innovative and really fixing things for people is is just a little bit is that much harder. But here, and there's a ton to do. Sprout Sprout is an example. HR and payroll is a very basic form of technology. I mean, it's solving one of the fundamental pieces of a company's basically operations. So we're not doing anything fancy. We're automating like basic need to have fundamental business processes, like getting your employees paid. So like you can imagine how much more technology there is to be developed for Philippine businesses to help them automate you know, all kinds mm -hmm. of other things, you know, that are that get more, much more fancy than getting your employees paid on time and accurately. Got that. Now, I, I appreciate, you know, that it's really, I mean, if you look at it, it's really the, the mentality that you have, the mindset. You say, oh my gosh, there's so many opportunities mm -hmm. because there are problems to solve. Mm -hmm. Problems aren't bad, problems are yeah. good. Yeah. You know, because it's super. They're super good. Now, mm -hmm. I want to ask you right now, coming from the perspective right now, let's say uh, all these different venture capitalists or investors from the country, what are they seeing in the Philippines as a whole? Mm -hmm. I guess maybe from a macro perspective that mm -hmm. you're seeing that they're saying, oh, this is a this is a good place because they saw that in Indonesia, they mm -hmm. saw in Vietnam, they're seeing something in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. What do you think are they, what are these factors they're looking at, do you think? I mean, you know, everybody everybody talks about the population, 100 plus million people. Um, GDP growth has been like five to seven percent, other than other than pandemic, you know, GDP has been really solid and really steady. Uh, that growth rate for the last how many years, and it looks like it will continue for the next several years as well. So, like fantastic GDP growth. And what what I think what it impacts investors the most that I've seen personally is when they actually come to visit. So, what happens is for investors, it's like this market that they don't know a whole lot about. They see the the those macro kind of dynamics that I just mentioned, but just kind of an interesting market. And then they hear about an investment of somebody else is doing well there or something. And they're like, all right, let me fly to the Philippines and actually look. And when they do that, that's when they really want to invest. Because it's just a different experience for VCs. Once they hit the ground here and they, they get on the ground, they walk around, they feel the energy that you see in the CBDs. Like people, like this is a 24-7 country. That's not always the case. And like in, in Western countries, they don't operate that way at all. Uh, and, and even some of our neighbors here don't really operate that. It's like Philippines is always on. And that's super exciting. And when you're actually here on the ground, which investors are finally starting to do, you get to feel that energy and then you get really excited about the market. So that's, that's what I'm seeing. And I, I just realized right now, I don't see that we're always on because I'm yeah. just so used to the 24-7 you know, hustle and bustle even uh, yeah. in the evening. It's only when you travel and you see... Exactly. Go to Seattle or go to San Francisco or Vancouver in Canada. Like go to these one one of these one of these cities and like try and do something at 10 p.m. You know, try and find food or or go out or something. Like 
places are closed. That was like, to be honest, that was such a funny thing for me. I didn't realize until I was back home on a visit how much I've acclimatized the Philippines. I was, I was out with my friends and I was like, it was midnight. And I said, okay, let, let's go, let's go drinking. And they were like, oh, where? Everywhere's closed. I was like, it's, <laughs> it's midnight. It's only midnight. This is when we're supposed to go out. Uh, that's super different. Yeah. I mean, that, that energy is really um, infectious and, and, and it's great for, great for the economy, great for the market. Really great. Thank, thanks so much for taking us through all this, Patrick. It's, mm. a, it's a great appreciation of, of, you know, looking at the Philippines as, as, a, as a, a hotbed opportunity. Mm. Now, having said that, um, when we talk about Sprout, um, you, know, I, you know, many people are also here saying, okay, I'm, in the future, I want to make a pitch. I want to see how do people say, you know, what, what's, what's great about my product? Maybe you can give us a short elevator pitch. What was the initial pitch when, when you put Sprout out there? Sure. So well, I'll tell you how we started with Sprout and, and where we're at today, because it's kind of evolved over time. But um, I would say when we started Sprout, we were really saying, look, Sprout automates your Philippine, you're managing your employees, payroll, timekeeping, and um, 201 files. So in the Philippines, the, anybody would know like your 201 file is your employee profile. But that's really what we said. We said, look, we automate core HR, including timekeeping, payroll, and 201 files. Um, it's very Before basic, very straightforward. Patrick, can I just interrupt you? Um, and that's a really great story. If you don't mind, I want to take a couple of steps back since we're going to the journey anyway. Sure. When you came over here, so many different problems to solve. What mm -hmm. made you zero in on saying, mm -hmm. you know, this is the best opportunity to mm. solve something in HR mm. for solving yeah. something else. Very random. Problem? I'm not what a payroll guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not payroll and HR personally, um, but I'm a technology guy. So that part is super exciting. Um, but so I came here in 2008. I wasn't here long. I, when I came here, I was trying a number of different things. You know, like I... I I was living with these these three these two other guys, and the three of us were were all doing different things, but all trying stuff out. So like we launched cars.ph, C-A-R-Z.ph, used car online selling. It was like way too early, didn't do anything. I did Copra export. So Copra is a byproduct of VCO processing, virgin coconut oil processing. It's like practically a throwaway product in the Philippines. It's just a byproduct. But in the US, it's an important farm feed input. Okay. So I was exporting Copra from Philippines to the US. I tried that business, but my business partner in the US, like I, that relationship fell through with that with me and him. So that business failed. I started another company doing online retail, like e-com and that one, that one failed. <laughs> uh, so like it 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 was just we were trying different things, just like young and having fun kind of testing things out. And then one of the things that my one of my partners started really started working, which was Manila Office Space, which became KMC. Um, and I joined him and three other people starting that company. Uh, and we did like commercial real estate brokerage, serviced office, staff leasing. Now KMC is quite a big company here in the Philippines. Um, we there's like seventeen thousand seats under management in the serviced office side of that company. And so we were growing KMC and we were struggling with HR and payroll, <laughs> our, our own HR and payroll. And so we were just like trying to, trying to solve it with local tech. And we just looked in the market and we weren't, really weren't happy with what we saw. My background is Silicon Valley. 
one of the other KMC guys, his background is Silicon Valley. And so we just decided we would just build our own tech to solve the problem. And we were using that, that software for a number of years, <coughs> actually, in, in KMC. And then in 2015, I told the other shareholders of KMC, like, hey, I really want to take this technology we've been using, and I want to take it to market because I think other companies can use it. So I incorporated Sprout. Uh, my wife came on board full-time as co-founder, and then we took this deck to market uh, as a B2B SaaS, so business to business, software as a service, started selling that to, to local companies. Yeah, it was super organic. I mean, everything just kind of happened organically. But it starts with the fact that I was trying to do something for myself. Like, you know, I was trying this entrepreneurial journey. I was like trying different things with various degrees of success. And eventually ending up with, with, with doing Sprout. And, and this, mm -hmm. this interesting thing. So when you put Sprout together, um, what people don't realize sometimes that the initial concept that you have for the startup is not the current version of what yeah. the startup is here right now. Yeah. So uh, let, let's go through the journey because it's a bit interesting. You started off, it's really because you wanted to fix a payroll. You wanted to fix yeah. a HR stuff. So yeah. that's how it started off and then how it evolved from there. Sure. So imagine in the Philippines, every time you process payroll, you have to pay and report to four different government agencies. And you have like, there's like over 25 different government reports that you have to submit to BAR, SSS, Pagibig, PhilHealth, you know, Dole sometimes asks you for stuff. Uh, other, other organizations sometimes ask you for stuff like NCP, NPC, sorry. Um, so these like, all these government agencies and this government reporting was really heavy. So we said, let's solve that. So we built payroll. And we built payroll, this payroll engine, automated government reporting. And then we realized, uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's actually this hidden monster behind payroll called timekeeping. Because in the Philippines, all of us, almost all of us as employees, our payroll is determined by our timekeeping. So mm -hmm. we're, we're essentially hourly workers, even though we get paid twice a month normally. Um, we're really getting paid by the hour. And that's calculated to the minute. And just as an example of how complex this is, in the Philippines, there are 32 different overtime rates. So, you know, rest day, your holiday, legal holiday, special holiday, double holiday, legal mm -hmm. holiday that's on a rest day, <laughs> where you do file yeah, overtime. Yeah, very familiar as a, as, a, as, a, as a business owner, yes. yes. You have to get some HR just to solve how to compete for everything. Oh my God, it's painful. It's like horrifically complex. Um, and so we said, let's tackle this problem and automate this so that employees just clocking in in the morning, clocking out in the afternoon, just with that coming into our system in real time, comparing to their schedule, then being able to file overtime through the system, we can automate this whole timekeeping through payroll, government compliance, um, that, that whole thing. And so it was just as simple as that. It was just solving a pain. And I think that's where we were lucky or, yeah, I would say lucky because we just focused on solving the pain and we didn't care about anything else. I think one thing that I see most, one of the most common mistakes of, of young entrepreneurs is thinking of a solution before thinking of a solution rather than a pain point. So I see a lot of solutions looking for problems, whereas we were just like, shucks, we have this problem and we're just trying to solve it. Uh, and we just did an okay job. Um, and then I took that, that thing that we had built 
and then started evolving, starting adapting, started adapting it for like any business in the Philippines because before we had just built it for us. And then that's when, so that North Star that I talked about, that's when that started. It wasn't until 2016, let's say incorporated May of 2015. Um, and then Alex and I, my, my co-founder and I, we were growing it. And then 2016, we were kind of thinking more deeply. And, and we were also starting to look at VCs, you know, and getting venture capital investment. And like really, when you, when you think about the VC track, uh, here's the thing. Venture capitalists won't invest in a company that they don't see getting to a billion dollar valuation at the very least. And a billion dollar valuation generally means like $100 million ARR. So you're not going to raise from VCs if they can't see you getting to $100 million annual recurring revenue. So that's a big company. So when you're thinking about going VC, then you have to think like, is this just some simple problem that we're solving or is there something meaningful? that we could do with this business and that's where the north star kind of evolved out of which is we realized man we're sitting on we're, we're hr we're core hr so we, we have all the employee data of a company we have all the payroll information and from that data we can really like make that a launch pad for all kinds of products and services that are useful to employees to employers and then that becomes a really big business and a re like a really impactful business. I think like revenue, you know, of course VCs are in, after uh, a financial return, but a financial return is a reflection of the impact of the good impact that you're doing in a in a country. So we were really kind of orienting on that and thinking, hmm, what can we do? I mean, or how how is this? How do we really? have a big impact and make a big company and, and, and do all this. So that data, you can imagine any, any kind of tool that a company uses, needs that, that the employees use, needs to know who the employees are. And Sprout has that information. So we can integrate with any tool that an employee uses, whether it's like a CRM or a finance tool or like JIRA, a project management tool, um, all these other tools, we can integrate with them and then build a whole tech ecosystem for businesses in the Philippines. And so we've started doing that now. So now Sprout is really building the SaaS backbone for the Philippines. And we're really aiming to serve Philippine businesses with the tech stack that they need, that's tailored to their needs at their price point um, to address a whole suite of, of issues that businesses in the Philippines face. Um, like invoicing, collections, inventory management, procurement, project management, you know, sales, all, the whole suite, ideally, we're able to serve our customers and, and help them with their, with their buying decisions. So it's become much, much bigger. But in doing so, we're aiming to have a big impact. So we're pretty excited about it. Have you seen, uh, like for myself, I, I run a, a SME, a small micro business, mm -hmm. and small to medium enterprise, and there's some larger ones. Have you seen any difference with regard to, I guess, what are the needs at this point that are common between small and large? Yeah. And where do you, when it starts becoming large, what are the larger, what are the bigger concerns that come into play when it comes to HR and what yeah. you were doing? Yeah, so it's interesting. We serve businesses from, so like micro zero to 10 headcount, we don't address so much 
Because most of what we found is like zero to 10, I got most of them are like very manual, paper based, and just not ready to move to tech yet. But then after 10 headcount, like businesses start getting sprout. And then we go all the way up. We have clients that are 20,000 employees, you know, in a single client. So we go all the way up. And so, yeah, we, we have a very unique perspective on the market. I can tell you generally, these large companies, they have a full tech stack already and they're just fitting Sprout into one part of it. And then we're integrating with their other tools. And we even like now these days, we're helping our large clients build workflows between apps to because kind of having individual apps is one thing, but having apps actually kind of integrated together via workflows is, is much more powerful. So that's kind of on the enterprise side. And then the small business side, we're like the whole suite. I mean, they'll mm -hmm. use us for entire employee lifecycle management. Um, they're getting other solutions via Sprout. It's really like we're really kind of the, the tech stack for these guys. So, yeah, I mean, different. But, but you'd be surprised whether like across the whole board, like 50% of businesses come to us from, from Excel. So like from Excel, yeah. Like there's still like businesses are in the Philippines are really just starting to adopt like automation software. Because like HR would be one of your early tools that you would want to automate. HR, finance, CRM. Um, these are areas of the business that are early in terms of um, automation and software. So, yeah. And the way that you're talking to me here right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, my impression is that it seemed to be that when you decided to say, okay, let, let's, let's grow this business outside and it was instantly successful. But were there points where, you know, when you were, when you were doing this one that you said, I should have never left um, KNSS <laughs> yeah. myself. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what we naturally go through as entrepreneurs where yeah. there are the low points of doing business. People just get to see us when we win awards or post press releases, but they never yeah. get to see us. Yeah. The, the, the mini failures along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it all looks rosy from the outside. I promise you, it's like a world of pain on the inside. I mean, that's the nature of being a founder uh, and 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 running a business. You know, I mean, I'm stressed until now, like about things all the time. Like if it's a big client who's going to churn, you know, that's super stressful. So. Yeah, there were some, definitely some points. So I'll, I'll share a couple. So one, so in the early days of Sprout, my co-founder and I decided that we would go to Silicon Valley to get some mentorship from like world's best. And we applied to YC. Uh, YC, Y Combinator is like basically the number one startup accelerator in the world. They're, especially back then, it was super hard to get into. They, were, they had this insane reputation. And they accepted our application. They accepted the first round. So in the first round, you have like roughly one in 50 chance of getting accepted. So you have 2%, basically. And back then, that was the odds. So we had gotten through this like 98% cut. And they would pay for us to fly to San Francisco and do a 10-minute pitch with them. And then at, the, at that stage, it's a 50% admission rate. So we were like, man, we, we got through the the 2% admission rate, for sure we're going to get past the next cut because it's like we have a 50% shot um, and we got rejected. And so it was just like, a, I know it's, it seems probably not, maybe not frivolous, but it seems like, yeah, okay, that's just, a, that's just one point. But it was very early in the startup 
we it was a lot of like a big validation point that these this big global firm was interested in us and also we were thinking like oh man you know if you get into yc it's like a ticket to 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 your to the rest of your you know growing the business and then that ticket got taken away so that was like kind of a mental blow so that was one very like very uh kind of point in time but it was a big like oh my gosh like yeah a big low point um the other one was was covid so much more drawn out and more painful in some ways uh, because of that, for sure. I mean, Sprout suffered just like every business in the Philippines. We, we First, we went to a four-day work week for everybody. So that was 80% salary for everybody in Sprout and then working four days a week. So we saved money there. Um, my co-founder and I went on 50% salary uh, right at the start of pandemic. And then, and then those steps weren't enough because we were trying to save jobs, right? We didn't want to lay anybody off, but we, it wasn't enough. So then we had to do a 20% retrenchment. And, you know, like me, my co-founder and a couple other people from XCOM, we divided up the people that we were letting go. And then it was just like one day of just meeting after meeting after meeting of, wow, of talking to people and saying, look, like, I'm sorry, but you know, this is where we've gotten to and we have to let you go. I'm like, man, that was definitely the hardest single day I've ever had in Sprout, probably in my career. It was brutal talking to like, and like meeting after meeting, it was like back to back because we were letting go of like 60 people. Um, wow. So yeah, it was like a full day of, of pain. After after many months of, of pain leading up to it, <laughs> Um so yeah, that was that was rough, but we made it through COVID and kind of came out the other side, and then got profitable in 2021, and it really turned things around. So, yeah. But you know, oftentimes, I mean, I've, I've seen you know, we, I've had many startups and many businesses I've featured on the show where COVID was actually a positive for their business. Yeah, super. It's because the, the the business was founded in COVID and addressed a concern, a yeah. problem, problem, a pain point in COVID. Or because all of a sudden their business was well positioned for yeah. COVID, yeah. or they did a little tweak and yeah. all of a sudden the business improved. Yeah. What happened to you guys? Well, yeah. How did COVID? How did how did the situation yeah. make you pivot? Make it make yeah. business different for yeah. you? It's, it's it's a good question because you know on the surface, really that should be really improved by COVID. Like COVID should really help that because all these companies need to make things digital. But where I mean, you have to understand like. For a company to get Sprout, it's a big buying decision that involves a lot of stakeholders and financial commitment and time commitment and all of this. And like for most of 2020, businesses were just paralyzed. Like mm -hmm. they weren't making any big decisions like this. They weren't in a position to, to put time and energy into this. Like they were just like stalled. Um, so our sales pipeline, it, and then all of our customers um, were laying people off. So, and we charge per user. So every time they, every time somebody reduced staff, you know, their bill to Sprout goes down. So we were earning less off of our existing customers and not closing any new business. So yeah, it hit us pretty hard. It did kind of spur us to produce some kind of tools that we still provide clients today and have been very effective additions to the ecosystem. So like, for one, like for example, one is Sprout Wellness, which is you know meditation. It's it's all online, but online meditation, yoga, 
mental health, uh, so uh, psychology um, consultations. From your HR dashboard, you can say, "Hey, you know, book me an appointment with a psychologist." And I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about. You know, most of the time it's anxiety. Uh, you can imagine in COVID, people stuck in their houses. Anxiety was a big thing. So we were able to provide benefits like that to our customers, which was great. But still, yeah, overall for business, it, it sucked. <laughs> um, so I was happy. To, I was happy to see the the market open up. And, and talk about the market opening up. Uh, another thing I've noticed from a business standpoint is sometimes all of a sudden there's a new dynamic again that occurs, mm. leaving problems which were there in COVID, which you were solving really great business developers, sort of equilibrium that happened because of COVID. Yeah. And then now yeah. that we're getting out of it, there's a new equilibrium, there's a new yeah. dynamic that didn't exist before. So, you know, delivery businesses having to readjust or some people were, they yeah. were really getting record numbers because of COVID. Yeah. Getting out of it, people being more mobile, their numbers are dropping, their metrics are going lower. What are you seeing also for yourselves? Yeah. I, I know that you're doing yeah. well, but are you seeing something new happening mm. uh, that you're having yeah. to readjust to that wasn't there before? I mean, you, you can't just assume that pre-COVID, post-COVID, things would be the same yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah. Things have yeah. changed. Yep. What has changed for you? Yeah, so probably the most obvious thing to, to talk about here is the whole work, sh you know, work from home dynamic shift. Our clients now have a mixed workforce and are dealing with like, there's many and it's so funny because like work from home is not one one thing like there are many different ways that companies execute a work from home setup sometimes it's one division of the workforce is 100% work from home and the rest are 100% office other times it's everybody in the company is like partly in the office and partly work from home there's all these different like ways that businesses execute it and then depending on how they execute it their needs their people management needs change so we've kind of reacted by developing a bunch of different products that help businesses no matter what kind of work setup they have. So that's been like a that's been a product impact, right? Which has been pretty significant. On the on the execution side or like the the services side, yeah, we've we've shifted our, ourselves we're predominantly work from home. Um, we're able to do much more online now, so like we help we onboard clients virtually, we support clients virtually, whereas before we would be in clients' offices most of the time. We really, like pandemic helped us kind of, pandemic was like a forcing function for developing a really strong um, distance prowess, I guess, or like distance uh, competency. So we really helped clients without having to go into their office. Big change. A lot of remote, big... remote, a lot of remote competencies, I guess. Oh my gosh, remote competencies. Yeah, super. And then you see, like, it's amazing how long culturally, so there's a huge cultural impact from work from home. And that's one of the things that we counsel our clients on. It is this massive kind of cultural impact that your employees, when they're working from home, work is very transactional. Whether they're working for you or another business, what does that change in their day-to-day? -day? Nothing. They get out of bed, they go to their computer, they sit down, they type at the keyboard, they have some meetings. Whether that's with you or some other company, it's like interchangeable. So work culture is dramatically impacted by work from home. So we do a lot of counseling with clients on that. We help them. So one thing that we've seen, we've even seen this in Sprout, are these like um, virtual communities forming where employees are in these little groups. Like generally it's in a chat platform, like, 
GChat or Slack or Teams. But you see these like little online communities formed like a book club and like a little outdoors club and a fitness club. It's like these people all interested in the same things forming these little communities. And it's a super interesting kind of shift of culture to an online or work from home setup that we've experienced and we've observed in our clients. Just like really crazy to see, but it's good. I mean, the companies are kind of adapting to the new normal in these kind of ways for sure. Well, it's good to see that. I mean, that's what Sprout was in the first place, solving HR issues and you yeah. were solving uh, a yeah. new normal HR issue. Yeah. Now, having talked about, talking about solving problems um, and, and you expanding the company and mm-hmm. you know, getting invested into by mm-hmm. Series B investors, mm-hmm. they're looking for you to expand. How are you seeing expansion for yourself? Is it expansion within the Philippines? Mm-hmm. And are you looking at expansion outside of the country? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I ask this also is because I understand that we have a very idiosyncratic HR system here mm-hmm. in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So is what we're doing over here something uh, which will be also applicable when we enter, when you enter into other countries and mm-hmm. other geographies? Or maybe mm-hmm. the complexity here is actually a, a boon to you because yeah. it makes things easier when you go to other countries. It's true. That's actually true. Your last point is actually right. Um, Things are so complex here. We had to build enough flexibility into our system. It makes other markets much simpler by comparison. But we are really still focused on the Philippines for now. Series B was raised to really push um, in this market. And we see a huge future here, like a ton of opportunity in this market. Um, And we're super excited about about our our roadmap here. Um, So yeah, I mean, we're, we're... very focused on the Philippines still. We are going like, you're either going to go very deep and you know hit the whole globe or you're going to go very broad and, and bo- narrow your focus geographically. So we've obviously done the latter and we're continuing to go broad with our offerings. So like I said, I was kind of alluding to that before, but really providing a whole tech stack for businesses in the Philippines where the solutions that we've curated in our app marketplace are solving unique Philippine needs, are at the price point that Philippine businesses can actually afford. Um, it's not just a bunch of apps that, that we got from the US or from other markets that are gonna be way too expensive for Philippine businesses or not solving the right needs or, or things like that. So yeah, we're, we're really expanding, expanding here and, and hoping to solve more problems for, for businesses here. Now, um- so when you look at expansion, how are you looking exactly for expansion? Are you looking to get into more corporations, into uh, SMEs, what, or, or off, uh, hoping to offer the whole tech stack to your current batch of uh, clients? What does well, expansion look like? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of all of the above. Um, and we have the muscle to do that now because we're, we're you know, quite a bit bigger and more mature than we used to be. But, but yeah, it's basically expanding the tech stack so that we can solve more problems for existing clients. Um, and that comes with a whole kind of go-to-market motion for that side of the business. So like an up, upsell team that uh, can uncover client needs and address them with, with softwares that we have in our ecosystem. Um, and then on the other side, it, you know, uh, beefing up client acquisition and getting into, getting into more businesses. We really have seen, what we, one thing that we've, one area that we've seen um, really mature over the years is our ability to cater to large businesses like 5,000 headcount, 10,000 headcount. Um, so really 
expanding in that space is is one of the things that we're starting to do. Uh, and we kind of have the track record to prove it. So uh, yeah, we, we're getting there. <laughs> well, that's really great to hear. If you don't mind, I want to take this discussion on, on, a, on, a, on another route now, because mm. uh, Alex is your wife and you know, mm. you, you, you're both co-founders. And mm. I, I, my wife is also my co-founder. Yeah. And when I say this one, you know, um, working with your spouse is an altogether different experience. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah. you know, because um, there's, there's a lot involved. How is it like working with your spouse? And mm. Would you like to share a bit more about, you know, are there actually any sure. best practices? Because even, even sure. us uh, at my rate, it's not easy working with your spouse. It's, it's yeah. great, but it's also yeah. uh, a big challenge. Yeah, no, for, for sure. And like, and a big risk. Like you're putting, like one of the, like we thought about it, like, Chucks, are we, especially in the early days of Sprout, when we were like, okay, so we're going to put all of our family eggs in this basket, right? Like we're, your whole family is tied. You don't have somebody in, with a full-time steady income, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You're both invested in this project. So yeah, big risk. Um, okay, so lots, lots to unpack there. Um, when I founded Sprout, so it was originally me. Because uh, I was part of KMC, and then I was carving out Sprout, and Alex was um, employee number one in a tech startup in the Philippines. Well, they were doing custom software outsourcing. She was working for um, ex APAC head of Microsoft as his number one person, like building the company up in the Philippines. Um, and before that, she had been in in other startups. So she has she had a really great tech background and startup background. Um, but she was doing that stuff, and I was starting Sprout. And we were having our second baby. So, oh, yeah. So, in fact, our second child was born the month that I incorporated Sprout. And that was what led, what led to her joining Sprout was that she and I decided together that if there was one time where she was going to be a full-time mom, it was now after our second and presumably last child. We, we actually ended up having a third child, but we were planning two. Um, so we're like, okay, we have two kids. We have a boy and a girl. Now is like the chance to be full-time mom. And so she quit her job. And then like, she was like, uh, maybe free for a week. And then I started bringing stuff home and I was like, Hey, so can you help me with this? And like, Oh, we're trying to, cause she has deep experience in UX and product design and stuff. So I was like, get, getting her help, mocking up screens. And that was like a, that was also a test for us. It was very informal. It was just me asking for help, but it was a way for us to test. Like, how's our working relationship? And man, mm -hmm. it was awesome. Like, until today, that's some of my favorite times building the company um, was those early days, like sitting on the couch with her and like mocking up these, trying to solve user problems with mocking up new features, um, doing like wireframes and stuff. And like, uh, so when she, but when she came on board, like we were super aware of the risks, like financial risks to us as a as husband and wife, Risk to the business, if our marriage falls through, the company's gonna, it's gonna impact the company. If the company falls through, it'll impact the marriage. Those are things that you just really are straight up and talk through very openly. Um, another point of guidance that we, that we were really big on was defining roles very clearly. Because like confusion of roles is one of the things that's gonna just destroy you because you, you're gonna both come into it with misconceptions. So, so yes. I'm the CEO of Sprout. Um, so I'm the leader. And, you know, if, if, it, if it's ever like this, you know, I'm the CEO. 
So I'm going to say this is how we do it. So we're both like very clear on those kind of things. Because uh, otherwise, yeah, otherwise you're setting yourself up for, for conflict. Um, so yeah, I mean, these kind of, I think those are the big things. Um, just being super transparent. being So being able to test it, being super transparent, and then defining roles really clearly, um, I think helped us be successful. But like, it's been awesome. Like we, we really enjoy working together and, and we think very much alike. So that makes it really easy. I think it's marriages work fine when you have very different mindsets, but businesses, I think when you're co-founding business, I think you will, you'll struggle then. So for us, we have very similar kind of ways of thinking. So if one of us is in a room, we'll probably answer a similar thing to a problem than if the other one is. And that makes things pretty, pretty easy. And then the last is, I like it because we're very aligned. <laughs> like imagine our third child was born. And I think like the day, like a few hours after he was born, I went and had an investor meeting because I was raising, <laughs> I was raising funds for series A. So if Alex wasn't part of the business, you know, and had nothing to do with Sprout, I'd be like, dude, I just gave birth. You're going to leave me like two hours after I gave birth. Um, but instead, she's like, okay, go, 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 <laughs> you know, go get, the, go get that investor. Uh, so that alignment's actually very nice. <laughs> really great. So I'm, I'm taking down some notes over here. Does Alex happen to be in the room while you give us to do this podcast? <laughs> no, she's, 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 just, she's just outside, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Now, um, uh, this has been a really great discussion, and there are many entrepreneurs listening, listening to us here right now and saying, okay, um, what the, maybe what are the other business opportunities you're seeing from your perspective where you're seeing HR and its product where it's mm -hmm. growing? You know, I'm, I'm sure that you spotted other pain points that, that are that are emerging, but it's not something that exactly you want to solve yeah. or you think somebody else should solve can solve better. Yeah. Yeah. What are these pain points that you can share with us that other entrepreneurs might uh, might want to jump onto? Yeah, so good question. Um, I think you would look at like these trends or these waves that are kind of coming into the country. Um, and you would kind of look at, you know, you, sometimes you look at maybe it's like second order, um, like second order solutions off of these waves. So like, let's take e-commerce as an example, like e-commerce mm -hmm. comes in, they start making like people start shopping online. And then all of a sudden logistics is a big issue in the Philippines. That's like a second order uh, uh, opportunity. So you kind of look at that. Um, you'd maybe look at things that way. But I can tell you the waves are like e-commerce and everything related to e-commerce. Um, and there's a whole stuff, a bunch of stuff to unpack there and still a ton of opportunity. Like, you know, great, for example, great deals is enabling like large traditional businesses like FMCGs to, to have an e-commerce platform. Um, Things like Grocery are kind of, in a way, um, doing e-commerce for Sorry Sorry. Like there's like, there are so many different um, aspects of one vertical. So like e-commerce is vertical, but there's a ton of different ways to attack it. But e-commerce is a big growth area for the for the country, and all the stats back it up. Um, another one is fintech, financial technology. Um, again. Like there's kind of the direct products like unbundling uh, banking services, but then there's all the ancillary products. These ones get a little bit more technical, but, but 
a ton of growth in that kind of area. And then another aspect of like fintech and then also SaaS, which is the third area that I would talk about, um, is that there's these business models emerging that basically create a ton of opportunity. So this is basically the, the ecosystem or the API functionality um, where one big player is, has a ton of customers and is embedded in all of these customers. And then they open up APIs and you can build off of their platform and then sell into their customers. So like Salesforce mm -hmm. is a huge example of this in the US where there, there are like, there are unicorn companies that were just built off of the Salesforce platform and they just serve Salesforce customers. Um, we are doing that for the Philippines. So Sprout, we have all these, we have 180,000 active users. If you, if you have a product, if you have an idea that you want to solve for businesses in the Philippines, like a tech idea, you can build it, plug into Sprout's APIs, and then market it to all of our customers. So it's a huge advantage over trying to start a SaaS company five years ago when you didn't have an, an outlet like this to, to hook up to customers. Uh, I mean, those are huge new opportunities that weren't there five years. Like, man, if I was a young, like, computer engineer or I knew somebody in tech, I, I would be like, dude, let's figure out what we can solve for businesses and then plug into Sprout and sell to all their customers. Um, and same thing with FinTech, like Brancas, UBX, these guys are champion opening banking, open banking, right? Um, so you could build a, a, a tech product that basically hooks into their APIs and then delivers some kind of service to, to an individual or a company. But yeah, I think like, those are super exciting areas. Exactly, because again, uh, for people listening, it's, it's, it's really riding on to what's coming out. So there's no need to reinvent the wheel. But actually, you're a, you're a B2B to B service. I mean, you know, you're a mini yeah. B2B service. You're not a B2B yeah. service. Yeah, super. So, and you, you get your start, like, you're not going to be on Sprouse ecosystem forever. You know, that's just your starting point. That, that, like, it's a rocket ship. It's a launch pad for your business. And then you'll go and grow... Like, okay, case in point, um, Gong, gong.io, fantastic business, uh, US company. They started just as a Salesforce plugin. And now they're like a unicorn. They have their own ecosystem. They have all their own ecos ecos like partner apps that are plugged into them. I mean, they become this big company in their own right, but they started as a, they got their launch pad by being a Salesforce plugin. So, man, we're bringing that to the Philippines. So I, I want people to cut, take advantage of that and, like, use us, you know, use our customer base, use our, our kind of knowledge, domain knowledge, and, uh, and help, help, help us solve problems in the Philippines. Very, very exciting. Uh, my, my mind is actually exploding with different ideas. And hopefully, <laughs> the other entrepreneurs listening here right now also are, are of the same mindset. Mm -mm. You know, with, Patrick, I wish we had more time to, to talk, mm -mm. but it's been such a fruitful discussion. Mm -mm. And... Before we before we finish this podcast, you know you, you've gained so much, um, I guess, insight mm. and wisdom mm. uh, over the past years from from mm. Silicon Valley to putting up the company, from doing games, mm. to putting up Sprout, mm. to growing Sprout. Are there any management best practices, hacks, secrets mm. that you want to share with the people listening here right now? And hopefully mm. that you could have shared with yourself uh, twenty years ago when mm. you're starting off. That would have, I guess, expedited. Uh, the success or the growth? Sure. Oh man, <laughs> I'll answer like very. I'll answer very broadly about lessons that I've learned in my journey. 
Um, so one, don't put yourself in a box. So I never, I never considered myself an entrepreneur. Um, I kind of barely do now. Um, but I, I just didn't think of myself that way. But what happened was, so this is my, so don't put yourself in a box because you're going to limit yourself and what you can do. If you think about yourself a certain way, you know, it, it, it's just setting you up to be that way. So keep mm -hmm. an open mind. You will inevitably, like right now, RJ thinks of himself in a certain way. And that's fine. I think of myself in a certain way. But keep your mind open that you can change. Um, because then when that change opportunity comes, you'll be able to embrace it if, you, if you're not closed off to, 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 to growing, right? Um, which brings me to number two. Uh, the people you hang out with have a strong influence on what you do, where you focus your time, energy. Uh, like a big part of what led up to Sprout was that I was hanging out with entrepreneurial people. And that kind of got, got that I got bit a little bit by that bug. And I started, like I talked about the Copra business that I started selling um, <laughs> coconut byproducts to American farmers. Um, you know, I started playing with stuff myself. And that led to me then, you know, joining the KMC guys, starting that company, and then all the, everything else happened. So like, hey, who you hang out with is, is a really big impact on you. Um, don't, don't underestimate that. Look at who you hang out with today and think about that. Uh, and third, like an, another thing that I learned along the way was um, kind of taking care of yourself. Uh, you, you need to start there. Like if you're not sleeping well, and you're not eating well, uh, and you're not exercising, you're, you're going to struggle in other areas of your life. So you kind of have to sort those out uh, at some point. Chances are when you're young, you don't really have those things sorted out. Like if you're maybe all the way up to mid-20s, you probably aren't doing those things. I, I certainly wasn't. Um, but at a certain point, you know, you need to get those things sorted out. Uh, and that'll, that'll, help. that'll help you a lot. Um, and then last and very important and something that I see people missing a lot is just do it. Like... Like there's so many people they talk to that have been thinking about something and analyzing it and coming up with reports and like they've spent like months trying to like uh, figure out the perfect software startup or the perfect startup or the perfect paint thing to do or whatever and and man I don't know it, and everybody works differently like if if you if your background is like Bain or McKinsey or one of these, chances are you will kind of take that approach where you analyze an opportunity and say, yes. take a very measured step. And that's okay. That's fine. If that's your background, that's fine. But I'll share my perspective, like from my journey, like I graduated university environmental science. Okay. So Whoa. I was a, I was an environmental scientist. I, my first job was shocking fish in the wilderness of Canada. Like I would get flown into these remote places by a helicopter and like, that's my back. That's where I come from. I have no business. Like I, I had no business like moving beyond that. Right. But I just took one step after another of saying, ah, I'll just do this. Like, whatever. I'll just try it. Um, and so it, it they, they, you know, a lot of the books will call that bias for action, bias to action in a startup. That's your, one of your biggest assets bias to action. Um, because in a startup, your speed and agility is your number one asset. It's the only thing that makes you better than the giants that are 
probably already doing something that you're doing. Like when we started, Globe had an HR software and these other places had HR softwares. Like we had no business winning, right? But we were quick, agile, we had a bias to action and I was constantly pushing the team. Okay, let's just do this. Um, so yeah, those are, those are probably my general lessons that I've picked up or some of them. Patrick, thanks so much. So many people have learned a lot from all the lessons you've shared. Okay. To all the people listening to us here right now who've said their comments, thank you so much to all of you. Thanks for all the hearts. Thanks for all of the applause. Uh, can you give a virtual applause, please? Again, thank you so much, Patrick Gentry, uh, co-founder of Sprout. So much to learn. And thanks so much for your advocacy to support sure. our uh, micro, small, medium enterprises here in the Philippines. Again, this is Arjuna Desma. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Arjuna Desma podcast. We will see you guys again for the next RJ Ladesa podcast. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, RJ. Thanks for having me. Cool. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.